Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. I'm Aryeh Cohen and you can follow me if you wish on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. And you can also uh, send me a note at my Gmail address, which is the widow and the brothers at gmail.com. And all that information is on the podcast page. So welcome to this week here in Los Angeles. The surge is still going on. People are dying every day by the hundreds, a couple hundred a day, more or less. Um, it's not good. Uh, at the same time, there is a vaccine. And the vaccine rollout is not doing so well. And let's hope we do not snatch defeat from the draws of victory. Let's hope that next year, starting in January, things get better. And January 20th, things will get better, at least in certain aspects. But let's remember all those who are who haven't made it. 2020, what a year. And that's only in... United States, look around the world, for example, Central America, endured two once-in-a-century hurricanes this year. Tens of people died. And if that's not enough, Trump's best friend, the president of Honduras, who is also more or less a narco-trafficker, um, this was proven in the Southern District of New York, 15 people over the last month or so have been killed, assassinated by the cartels. Just this past Saturday, a politician who is an opposition politician who's going to run for Congress, who is an activist, was shot and killed in front of his family. So we're holding all those things, and at the same time, we're holding frontline workers, medicine, scientists who have discovered this vaccination and put it in the world. We're holding all those who are working diligently to get it out to the world, and we're wishing that everybody that can, can get it, not only that it shouldn't deepen the discrepancies of wealth and resources that already exist. Okay, we're going to start from the bottom of uh, 50B, two lines from the bottom, in the Layout of the page that was made popular by the brothers and the widow Ram, below these 150 years ago in Vilna. Um, the Vilna in the Vilna Shas. Okay, and there'll be, of course, links to that and other places where you could find the Daf, Alatora, Sfaria, Hebrew books. Any of them you go, this is the time of year, maybe that you might want to kick them some shekels, because uh, they do their stuff for free and for the good of the public. Okay, so we're going to start Gufa. Gufa means here we're going to go back and re-examine a statement that we examined already. So Amarav, this is the statement that we saw at the beginning, in the middle of the daf. Amarav, one is not allowed or one cannot make a claim of ownership on the estate of a married woman. Why we saw before is because the woman, one could say the woman, the reason that she was not our heir, the she, reason she said, no, that's my property. What are you staying on my property for? Um, is because she relied on her husband to do that. So it wasn't really a sale, even if she didn't, even if she wasn't uh, our heir. I mean, she didn't protest against the person being on the property. 
ודיאני גולה אמרו מחזיקים בדיאני גולה. We'll get back to Dainé Gola in a minute. Dainé Gola is another name we learned from Sanhedrin that is Karna, a, also a, a, an early Amora from Rav's generation. Dainé Gola says you're allowed to make a claim of ownership. Amorav, halacha ki Dainé Gola. Oh, Rav says the halacha is like, well, actually, that's what the printed editions say, but all the manuscripts say, mistabri tamayo de Dainé Gola. That actually the theory of Dainé Gola makes sense. It's what they're saying Makes sense that you're allowed to. And what that means is what will be clarified in the next few sentences. So it's not Rav. It's not Rav like making an about face here. That's what we see in the printed editions. But all the manuscripts and the and the Rishonim, the evil commentators, say that actually it's not that. It's Mistabre Tamayhu de Dainegola. Their, their claim makes sense. What is that? Amar le Rav Kahana Rav Asi le Rav. So Rav Kahana Rav Asi said to Rav... According to some of the manuscripts, it's Rav Ashi, but makes more sense. Rav Ashi, Rav Ashi is later. Haderbe mar mishmate. So could it be that you, Rav, changed your mind that you went back from what you said before? Amar laho, mistabra amre kidrav Yosef. Okay. So there's a bunch of things that are problematic here. Rav Yosef is much later than Rav, so Rav would not have been able to say. No, I, I, I was convinced by the, the theory, but I was convinced by the thinking of Rav Yosef. So what's probably going on here is that Rav said, that you can't make, that you, Rav repeated, or this statement that was said, the Rav said, right, you can't make a claim on the estate of a woman. say, no, you're allowed to. And then Rav says, you know what, the theory that they bring forward um, I agree with. What is that theory? That theory is what Rav Yosef said on the previous Amud, that it's a shorthand for the fact that It's a shorthand for saying that we're talking about a case, Dafko, where somebody consumed the usufruct of the land for a while during the time that the owner that the that the husband was alive and then continued after the time the husband was alive so therefore it's not actually a shetish, right no there's not when when he did the chazaka it wasn't actually a because most of the time the chazaka was after the husband died and then the woman couldn't say i relied on my husband to protest against this guy using my land. So therefore, in that case, I agree with Dayane Gola. Okay, so that's what Rav is actually saying, and that's what the the, the line Mistabra Amak Kamri Kidrab Yosef is in there too. The statement is, you know, it's in some of the man in the manuscripts is Mistabri Taima the Dayane Gola Kirab Yosef, right? That it's actually the theory of the Dayane Gola was like Rav Yosef, who says that that she uh, that the 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 buyer ate the use of fructus for a year, while the husband was still alive, and then continued afterwards. Okay, so who is this Dayane Gola? We said this comes from we know from uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, seventeen uh, B Dayane Gola Karna. There's a list of things there that, for example, Rabotena Babavel is Rabin Shmuel. You know what's interesting is here is that the Rajbam says Dayane Gola Shmuel Bakarna, the Parakrishon of Sanhedrin. That it's both Shmuel and Karna, as it says in in the first parak of Sanhedrin. However. 
First paragraph and Hedron actually only lists Karna and all the manuscripts there. None of the manuscripts there say anything aside from Karna, and it actually would be a problem because Rabotenu Shebagola is Rabin Shmuel. So unless Shmuel is playing for both teams, both Rabin Egola, both Dayan Egola and Rabotenu Shebagol, uh, uh, Rashbam is doesn't make sense. I didn't check the manuscripts of the Rashbam. I am sorry, and we'll do, and we'll do penance for that. Okay, now the interesting. So, since we mentioned, since we happen to mention Karna, who's Dainegola, now what does it mean that Karna is Dainegola? Why are these are the are there these nicknames rather than rather than naming the people directly? I don't have a good answer, but um, the Gemara seems to have noticed it and has this list of people and like Acher and Acherim and Daine Rabbeinu Rabbeinu Bavel Dainegola. There are a whole bunch of, of different people there on Sanhedrin 17b. So if you ever run across it, you just go there and you can check out who they mean or who the Stam um, thinks that they mean. But the interesting thing is that, so there is an interesting thing that uh, about Karna, right? So Shmuel Karna, and this could be why um, Rajbam thinks that Dainegola is actually Shmuel and Karna, because there's a story of the meeting of Rav and Karna it's a story, actually, of both Shmuel and Karna, and most of the story is actually about Shmuel. So Shmuel and Karna have a yatfi aguda dinahar malka. So Shmuel and Karna were sitting on the banks of the river of the river Malka, right, the, the kingly river. Um, so they saw that the water was rising up, and it was dark and muddy. So Shmuel said to Karna, Gavra Rabba Ka'ati Mimaraba. Must be a, a, an important person is coming from the West, meaning from the land of Israel. And he has a problem with his stomach. And the water is rising to greet his to, to greet him. Right? To 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 greet him. Um the Kabel Panav. Let's go! And we will look into his cask, or we will. Um, yeah, in other words, we will, let's find out how much Tari knows. He's an important guy. We're important guys. Let's, you know, throw down. Azal, Ashkechel, Rav. So they went and they, they, they met Rav. They found Rav. Amrle, they said to him, Minayin, She'en Kotvin Tvilin, Elagabe Orbe Matoras. They say to him, the first thing that you say to somebody who you've never met before, you ask him a question. How do you know that you write Tvilin, that you can only write Tvilin on, uh, on the skin of a kosher animal? Because he says that uh, it says in Torah, in another pasuk, that in order that the Torah of God will be in your mouth. And he learns that up, learns that to say what is that God's word will be in your mouth from something that is permissible to put in your mouth. In other words, it must be from the, from the skin of a kosher animal. You didn't stop there. I mean, I am the dam shehu adam. How do you know that blood is red? Shne emar by your umo av mi neged etamayim adumim kadam because it says and Moab, who's standing on the other side, saw the blood red as saw the water which is red as blood. Minayin lemi ilash botomakom. How do you know the circumcision is actually in that place? Literally, meaning on uh, you circumcise the penis. Shne emar kan or latov ne emar lahalan or latov because it says or la. It says the the uncircumcised. And the, so in other words, we're talking about 
Trees, trees up for their third, up and through their third year are considered orla, and you can't eat them because they can't. They're not. They're either they don't grow fruit, or the fruit that's grown there is is is, is off off bounds, off limits. Therefore, there in the case of fruit, it's something. In the case of the trees, it's something that makes fruit. The orla is referring to something that makes fruit. Make Afkan Sepri. So here too, by circumcision, it must be in a place that makes fruit. Emalibo, why not say it's his heart? Because it says, and you shall circumcise the those who are uh, uncircumcised of heart. Ema is known. Why not say this ear Hahena Orla Aznam? Um, and because it says also in, in Navim that they're, they have an uncircumcised ear. Then in Orlato Tama, may Orlato Tama. Say no, because that's metaphorical. We're talking about straight up Orla from straight up Orla. Simple Orla from simple Orla. Ain't then in Orlato Tama, may Orla Shainatama. And we don't do metaphorical Orla, uh, straight up Orla from metaphorical Orla. Amarle, my Shmech. So Rav turned to him and said, What's your name? Karna. Said, my name is Karna. And he says, it should be the will. In other words, he's giving him a somewhat blessing. It should be the will that the uh, Karen should come out of your eyes, that you should either have a ray of sunshine in your eye or you should take the thing out of your eye. It's not clear whether it, it's supposed to look like it's Yehei Rava. It looks like it's a bracha, but it could be an ironic bracha. It could say that, what are you kind of messing around with me for? Or that it could be like a Karen or Karan or Panav, like with Moshe, that it is a straight up bracha, that like the, the, the rays of God. In the end, Shmuel came up to his house. And he gave him tea. He gave him, uh, you know, he gave him bread made out of barley um, and some and uh, fish. And he gave him wine to drink or alcoholic beverage to drink. And he didn't show him the bathroom. So that his stomach should all get messed up. And, and Rav cursed him and said, Person who makes other people feel pain, he should not have children. And apparently, and, and that's what it was, and Shmuel didn't have children. So the question is, a lot of the, the uh, especially the Achronim, and the Rishonim also, the Ramban, the Rashba, and the Marshal later on, are all trying to figure out how to make the story into a a good story, and not just a story of two rabbis who throw down with another rabbi who's coming into their territory, and then they go back and forth and they say nasty things to each other. Um, so we know from other places in Shas that Shmuel was a doctor of sorts, a rofe. And so that's, they're saying that, that when the water came up and it was darkened or it was dirty, Shmuel thought, uh-oh, Rav probably ate from this, drank this water, and therefore he had um, problems with his stomach. Um, and what Rav, when Shmuel went to him in order to make his stomach mishtal shale, to mess it up, or in, in modern Hebrew, shulshul is diarrhea, but um, to, to, to kind of here it means like to make his stomach loosen his stomach, something make him feel better. It was in order to to heal him. Okay, but that's the initial meaning of Rav and Shmuel and Karna, and that's how Karna and Karna becomes Dayane Gola in Sanhedrin. What does this have to do with Arsugya? Absolutely nothing, but it has to do with Karna 
And hafokba, hafokba, de kulaba, just turn it over and turn it over. And sometimes you get cool stories. Okay, we continue. V'lole ishab b'nechsei bala. So we go back to the Mishnah, um, where the next line in the Mishnah is that a woman cannot make a chazaka on the estate of her husband. Right? Just like we just got through the line that said a husband, a man cannot make a claim for uh, a chazakah, for ownership on the, on the estate of his wife, and it was the, the, the land that she brings into the marriage that's hers. And same thing, a woman cannot make, an, make a claim on the, on, on the land that belongs to the husband because, as the Gemara will say in a minute, um, she, she, what's the claim? She's going to say, you ate the usufructus? Yeah, of course you ate the usufructus because that's your right to that in the marriage. Pshita, right? So the Gemara asks, Pshita, that's obvious. Came into itla mezone, mezone yudukachla. Since he has, he is required to support her, to give her food. So that's what she ate. She ate that support. So she literally ate the use of fructus because that was all right. And that can be then a proof that she has chazakah, that three years. Look, I ate three years. Of course you ate three years. That's, you had a right for that. That was the ketubah. That wasn't buying, that wasn't acquiring land. That was your ketubah. That was the, the conditions of the marriage. La, tzricha. No. We need it because we're talking about the yichid la ara achriti limizona. Because we're talking about a case where there was a, a, he had set aside a different piece of land to support her. Said, okay, you're, the 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 conditions written in the marriage, the obligation of mizonot, of food, comes from this piece of land. And then she was eating on another piece of land. Harayayesh, let's say she has a contract on the land. In that case, is she allowed to make a claim of ownership? Lema legaluye zuze hudabai. No, even in that case, because we will say that the only reason he agreed to sign, to write a contract to her so that she looks like she bought the land is because he was, he thought, he was suspicious. Remember, this came, comes up before. This, you know, that that marriages are not on May Menuchot. Marriages are not on peaceful waters. But he's he's suspicious that she had money that she wasn't revealing to him. So he said to her, you know what, I'll sell you this land. And the whole reason to sell it was not that he wanted to sell it, but just wanted her to say, oh, yeah, sure. And then pull out a bag of silver coins and said, ah, I knew you had other coins. I knew you had other money. And therefore we learn that if a man sells a field to his husband, to, um, a man sells a field to his wife, Nowadays, his husband, um, she buys it. She is it's it's acquired, and we don't say that he's just trying to un to 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 uncover other money. Lo, So what about so there? We say that so in the, in the mission it says that you're allowed that a man's allowed to sell field to his wife. What about so? Why don't we don't we just say that that's talking about a case where he has where she has. A proof, meaning a star, a deed. No, we're talking about a star matana. That's not a sale, but rather a gift that a person, that a man gifts his wife the the field, and then she is kone. Then she acquires it. Armalai Rav Nachman and Rav Nachman said to Rav Now we have a back and forth, which is kind of interesting, kind of wild, pretty interesting. Let's stick with it. Lavi Mar Gaban Urta Bitchuma Damrinan Mila Mili Malita. Sir Nachman 
ran across Ravuna and said, Oh my God, you won't believe what you missed. You weren't with us last night or two nights, whenever they met. You weren't with us. And, and Friday night in the Tchum, Tchum Shabbat, in other words, you weren't at the study hall or wherever it was that they met. They probably were not brick and mortar study halls then, but maybe you weren't with us in the learning. And therefore, you missed uh, when we said this amazing thing, right? And that's going to be the whole thing. What is the amazing thing and why is it amazing? Right? But it seems to be, there seems to be some kind of a, some kind of an image here of the fact that people would get together at a certain place to learn. Now, it's not clear from here whether that place is a Beit Midrash, like a, a brick and mortar study hall, a study circle, somebody's house, the front lawn, unclear. The Rosh says that um, when it says Bitchuma, that it's within the Tchum Shabbat. Tchum Shabbat is a 2,000 cubits that you're allowed to walk outside of the city. So they would put the, the, they would put the place of learning right at the end of the Tchum. So therefore it also, it would like overlap with the Tchum from another city so that everybody could get there. Okay. Amarle, my Mili Amritu. So he said, okay. So tell me, what was such a great thing that you said? This is also probably a Makor for Kiddush on Friday night. Um, so he says, so Rav Nachman, so Rav Huna says, so, so tell me, Rav Nachman says, So he says, back, this is what he said. This is what we learned. If somebody sells a field to his wife, she acquires it. And we don't say that the only reason he sold it was in order to find out whether, to uncover whether she had more money. So therefore, in other words, we say that it was a, an actual sale and it's sold. Amrle, sir of not sir of Huna says back to him, Pshita. That's really that's that's what you learned. Just get rid of the money. She could just buy it straight up with a star. She doesn't so so therefore if she buys it straight up with a star, with a contract, you don't have this whole thing of Uncovering more money because there's no money to uncover. It's just you, she bought it with, she could acquire it with, with a, with a deed. Milo tznan nechasim sheesh nehem achrayut niknim mekesem shtarach hazakah. Doesn't it? So don't, didn't we learn from the, from the Mishnah and Kedushin that land which has responsibility on it, in other words, land on which the, the seller is responsible if there is some other lien on the land. We went through a bunch of sugya a little while ago over that. Nikdin These pieces of these this land is is acquired by money, by deed, and by usufruct. So therefore, what's the big deal that that you learned that oh uh, she could buy it with with uh, she could buy if she makes a chazaka, then she um, if she if she's that if she acquires it. He sells it to her and she acquires it that, that uh, we say it's an actual acquisition. Of course it is. And we don't need money for it. Amarle. Um, so Rav Nachman answers back. So what he said, but doesn't, in the Gemara there, doesn't Shmuel say that that halacha is only talking about a shtar matana, a gift document, and not a rate, not a sales document, not a deed of sale, but a deed of gifting. And with a deed of gifting, he, it's not acquired until there's there is in the masculine because they were talking about just a regular sale. With a deed of gift, with a deed of of sale, lo kana achi lo until she 
um, gets her until 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 he gives her the money, or he gives one guy gives the other guy the buyer the buyer gives the seller the money. Velav motiv Rav Hamnuna, and then but then Rav Huna answers replies to this Velav motiv Rav Hamnuna b'shtar ketzad, and does not Rav Hamnuna answer back to Shmuel? What does it mean b'shtar ketzad lo alani aral acheres? So doesn't it say, didn't Rav Hamnuna answer back that with a star, what does it mean to buy, to, to have a, a, a document? And it says that he writes on either paper or a shard that even though, and even if it's not worth a penny, my field is sold to you. My field is acquired to you. Or netunalach is another uh, is another tunalach which actually makes a little more sense. But knuyalach is the same thing. In other words, acquired to you or given to you as a present. So therefore, it is either sold or acquired. Therefore, it looks like it does. It's not specifically a, a shtar mechar. It's not specifically a, a, a deed of sale, but also a deed, uh, not only a deed of gifting, but also a deed of sale. So Rav Nachman asks back, no, that's not what we're talking about, because there uh, is answered that he, he asked the question, and then he answers the question that that only counts when we're, he's selling his field because it's a terrible field. So if he's selling his field because it's a terrible field, so then a deed of sale also counts because he's not going to want it back because it's not a really good field. Rav Bevai finishes off this in the name of Rav Nachman. Rav Ashi Amar, and most actually, most of the Gersot don't have Rav Ashi, but we'll say that Rav Ashi actually is there. Um, but, but, but is there meaning in Kedushan? We're going to look at the Sugi in Kedushan in a minute. Rav Ashi Amar, b'matana b'kesh litnala. That uh, he wanted to give it to her as a gift. So this is an alternative way. That uh, why did he write it as a deed in order to strengthen the ownership of it? In order to strengthen the ownership over the piece of of land. Now, there it's talking about. So this is all transferred or transposed onto a husband wife. Even there. The whole sugya is 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 just by uh, regular by selling between partners, and so therefore, since it's good only because it's a case of mocher sadeb of of selling the field because it's a bad field, then it actually was a mili malis. It actually was a, a, a gavaldiga statement, a great Torah, great piece of Torah. Because in a normal case, a deed of sale a shtar wouldn't work, and therefore, it would have to be money. And it's a chiddush. It's 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 in an innovation. So therefore, Malita, that we don't say that it's only that he only did it in order to uncover um, whether or not she had money that she was hiding, and it is a real sale. So that is actually a a chiddush. This week's podcast is brought to you by OAJ Double G Old Ashkenazi Jewish Guys Gym. Two schwitzers, no weights. Ever get that feeling that you should exercise more? Followed by a stronger feeling that getting up from the couch could actually be dangerous? Well, we're the place for you, OAJGG. Our motto is no pain, no pain. Our philosophy is the three shins, Schwitz. Shh, you're playing the music too loud. A man can't hear himself think. And something else that begins with a shh that I can't remember right now. 
When you've tried the rest, and all they want you to do is schlep this thing here, schlep that thing there, bend down, push up, it's time to try the next thing. O-A-J-G, Old Ashkenazi Jewish Guy's Gym. Okay, so the sugya there in Kiddushin adds a little bit, which is interesting. Star, right? It's, it's, it's on the Mishnah where it says that you sell Right, the Mishnah, the piece of the Mishnah that we quoted, right, As here we're talking about shtar. What does shtar mean? The Gemara is going to clarify what does it mean that uh, this land is bought with a shtar. Menalan, what does that mean? I'm doing Kedushin uh, 26a, if you want to follow along. It's like halfway down the page uh, in before and after the two dots. Um, Perhaps it's because it says from the, this is the, the, the Manalan is asking for a source for this Allah Perhaps it's because it says in Jeremiah 32, write it in a book, meaning on a contract, and seal it, and bring witnesses to testify. And this is talking about uh, there when, when God tells Yirmiyahu, the prophet, that you should take fields and lands around Jerusalem in the, the area of Binyamin. You should take it, you should write, him on a, write about it on a, on, a, on a star, and you should put it in a, in a canister that will save for many days. Right? And that, he says about it, and you should write it in a contract and bring witnesses to testify about it. So there, it's, look, there's a, a, a contract, star. Ketovah Sefer, on the, on the book, on the, on the, on the, on the parchment. Ba'amred shtar raya ba'amahu. So therefore, from there, you say that shtar, kaja, is just a witness, just a testimony, right? It's a shtar raya. It's not actually the, the contract is not doing the acquisition. It's just testifying to the acquisition, right? Ba'edeidim. It's just testifying to the acquisition. So that's not this kind of shtar that we're talking about here, it seems. Elamehacha. But rather, from the beginning of that chapter, rekachet sefer amikneh, and I took the Sefer Hamikna, which literally the the scroll of acquisition, right? The scroll, the scroll of the acquisition that Jeremiah bought. This is uh, stuff that Jeremiah bought from his uncle, um, Hanamel, the king, and he, he 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 wrote it down into he wrote it a contract to buy it. Amr Shmuel, lo shano lo damim. So Shmuel says that that's that we that when we say star. A contract that's only talking about a con- a gift contract, but a sales contract you don't buy doesn't acquire until the money is given. Major Rav Hamnunas Rav asks Bishtar Ketzad, what does it mean with a contract? Katablo Pruta. He wrote this on paper or on a shard, even though there was no did not have the worth of a pruta, of the smallest coin. My field is sold to you. My field is given to you as a present. Um, behold, it is sold or given. So there, so that's the question. So how could you say that it's not a mecher? If here, how could you Shmuel say that a deed of sale is not does not work? Because here it says that a deed of sale does work. So he asked the question, and then he answers his own question. That's only in a case of selling the field because it's a really bad field, and then he's not worried about returning it, so it's okay with with a shtar. Uh, that he wanted to give it to him as a present. And why? So why does he give it to him? Why did he write it, write it to him 
in the language of sale in order to strengthen his hand in the future so that there's no question of his ownership. Okay, so that's the original that's the original sugya. And then that sugya is transposed here and brought into our sugya to talk about a man and a wife buying and selling uh, from each other. And that's why we have here, and you can tell that the Gemara knows that other sugya. Because the Milotzan, does it not say? Or, well, the question there, there's a, a gear set actually that says, Ditznan, but the Milotzan, does it not say? And then it says, so that's part of the question, part of Rav Huna's question. And then Rav Nachman says about that, V'la Itzmar Allah. Does it not say about that? So Rav, Rav Huna is actually quoting that other Gemara. Now, whether or not it's not, right, obviously a Gemara, but that other back and forth was known. Because it says, V'lav Itzmar Allah Amar Shmuel. And does not Shmuel say about that? It's not saying here, Shmuel is now saying, but we know Shmuel said it there about that Mishnah in Kedushin. So that tells a little bit about perhaps about how the development of these sugyot, that you had a sugya, you had a Mishnah, and then you had around it accrued a back and forth, some kind of a shakla bataria, masal matan, some kind of a back and forth. And then that became attached to that Mishnah, and then people knew that with the Mishnah. So here, when they're talking about that Mishnah, right, so they say, right, and immediately the question is, but doesn't it say about that Meaning that we know, we both know that Shmuel has a comment on that. And then the answer is, oh, Vilav Motiv. And doesn't Rav Hamnuna answer Shmuel? Right? And Vilav, and, and isn't true, is it not true that he answered, that he, that he challenged it and then he answered his own question? So we see here that our Mishnah is, that our Sugya is embedded in a certain way, uh, or the other Sugya, the Sugya is embedded somewhere in our, in our Sugya brought over wholesale. Okay, let us continue. Meitve. So there is a challenge that is brought. So if somebody borrows from a slit an enslaved person and then frees them, emancipates them, or from a man borrows from his wife and then divorces her, they have no claim upon him. Right, so once the the uh, relationship of either ownership or marriage ends, they no longer have a claim upon him for that money. My time, oh, why? Is it not because we would say that the only reason he borrowed the money was in order to uncover money that either the slave or the wife had and which actually belonged to him because Masayadav the, the the work of their hands, what they profit, both a, an enslaved person and a wife, belongs to the husband, according to rabbinic law. So, therefore, is that not the reason? So, therefore, shouldn't that be... So, we see that that is a reason that's in play. So, therefore, we should go back and, and say that that's the only reason, that that's the reason that a, a husband, that a wife can't have chazaka onto the husband. Shani Hatem say no. That it's different there in the case of borrowing from an enslaved person or from a wife. So no, because it a person does not want to be considered as a borrower because of this verse in Mishle, in Proverbs, a borrower is an ins, is enslaved to the lender. 
So a borrower is a slave to the lender. So a person doesn't know it's ironic here um, because we're talking about an actual slave. So lending money to the slave must be. Right? So two things come out of it. So lending, lending money to the slave must be, and therefore, by extension to, to the wife, must be because he just wants to uncover whether or not they have some money hiding around which they're hiding. Right? But by extension, we know that they do know what the difference between a slave and a free person is. That, and there's something about a slave that they, they find bad, right? Because the person does not want to become a slave. At the same time that they're in a slave culture, that they, that there are enslaved people. All right. Now, this phrase, just as an aside, when we were back in, in the, in the, the first chapter, and we also when we had the interview with uh, Alyssa Gray, we talked about it. This phrase, Evilovel Ishmalve, is actually used in a very kind of radical, way around charity, around tzedakah, about a person who lends, who gives money to the poor, is considered, God is considered as their slave, kibiachol, right? That's back on, on 9a, that ebed lovele because a borrower is slave to the lender, and the lender in that situation is the one who gives charity, and the borrower there, and that goes to the point of whether or not when a person gives money to a poor person, the person is giving money to the poor person, or the, poor, the person is kind of giving money to God, like giving money to Hectish. And so that's that whole three-way situation that we talked about there, I talked about with Alyssa Gray. Shalach, so we continue in the Gemara. Shalach Rav Huna Bar Abin. So Rav Huna Bar Abin sent a shalach, always means sent, asked a question, Rashbam says, to the Beit Midrash, because it seems like, you know, there's nowhere he's not oftentimes it's territory as well, but here it stays in Babel. Shalak Ravuna Barabin Hamokher Sadeli Shto Kanta. Ubal Ochel Pero. So is this true that a person who sells a field to his wife, she bought it, and he can still eat he still eats the Yusufrak. The husband still eats the Yusufrak, even though he sold the field to his wife. Baram, however, Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba, the whole Gedolei Ador, Amru, all these people, the Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abahu, and all the Gedolei Ador, and I'm not sure who all the Gedolei Ador are, but lots of other great people. Amru, and Chol Gedolei Ador is not on that list in Sanhedrin 17b. So all the all the Gedolei Ador, all the great people of the generation, said, "B'matana b'keish litzno la, v'lama katav la l'shemecher k'deli apotet kocha." And they all said that he wanted to give it to her as a present, but why did he write her a sales contract? In order to strengthen her hand in this situation so that she would have, uh, so that nobody would, would challenge that it was hers. So what's going on here? Can a husband sell to his wife or not? Because we, Ravuna says... It seems that he can, and the husband can still eat the perot. But Rabbi Abba and Rabbi Abahu and all the Gdoliador seem to say, no, that's only because in this case it was supposed to be a present, but he just wrote it as a sale. Meitve. Now we go back to challenging this from the thing that we just said. So if you borrow from a slave and you free the slave, and from a wife and you divorce her, or if one does that and one frees the slave and one divorces the wife, ain't lahen alav klum. He has no, they have no claim upon him at all. My time, why? Isn't it because 
we say that the only reason he loaned the money is in order to uncover hidden money that they had. Shani hatam inish No, because there again, like we said before, um, the only reason he wouldn't have didn't want it to be a sla- didn't want it to be a loan, a re- really a loan, was because he doesn't want to be a, he doesn't want to be a borrower, right? If he borrowed money, so lovet min right? Did I, I might have translated that wrong? If he borrowed from the slave, he borrowed from his wife. They have no claim on him. Why? Because he doesn't want to be a borrower. He doesn't want to be a borrower. So therefore, that can't, um, that can't, uh, it doesn't do anything to help us in our, in our, in clarifying this challenge about one who sells a field to his wife. But, Amar Rav. Rav says, Hamocher sadeli ishto kantava A person sells a field to his wife. She bought it. She acquires it, and the husband eats the fruit. If it's a present, however, she acquires it, but the husband cannot eat the fruit. So that's the difference between a sale and a present. In a sale, he can eat the fruit, the usufructus. In a present, he doesn't get to eat the usufructus. Either a sale or a gift, she acquires it, and the husband does not eat the use of fructus. He doesn't have any rights to the fruit. So Rav Chista decided a case according to what Rebbe Lezer said, that either a gift or a sale, she acquires it, and the husband has no rights to the fruit, to the use of fructus. Rabban Ukva, Rabban Nechemia, Bnei Binte, Derav, Rav Chista. So, Rav's grandchildren, Rav Ukva and Rav Nechemia, said to Rav Chista, Shabak Mar Rav Raviva Abed Kizutari. So, why did you abandon the great person, meaning Rav, and decide the halacha according to the lesser person, meaning Rabbi Lezer, the marginal person? Amarle, so Rav Chista said, replied, Ba'ananamik Rav Ravi Avdi. No, I also did like a great person. Because when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael, he quoted Rabbi Yochanan as saying, He said exactly what Rabbi Lezer said, that both of them, she acquires it, and the husband has no rights. Amar Rava, so now Rava kind of gets the last word. Hilchita, the halacha is, Hamocher sadel ishto lo kanta. If a if a man sells a field to his wife, she does not acquire it. Vehabal ochel perot, and the husband eats the fruit, which seems to be redundant. We'll get to that in a minute because if she doesn't acquire it, of course he eats the fruit. Bumatana kantava einabal ochel perot. So if it is a present, then she acquires it, and the husband cannot eat the fruit. Okay, so now one could say that it's just doing it for the for the sake of the parallelism. Tarti la kasha. Neither of them are a problem, right? The, both Rava and Rav are both okay, right? Because Rav says, one who sells a field to his wife, she acquires it, and the husband eats the fruit. And Rava says, one who sells field, a field to his wife, she doesn't acquire it, and the husband eats the fruit. Then both of them work out. Kanba ma'ot tzmunim, kanba ma'ot shenan tzmunim. 
Because one is talking about when there's hidden money, and one is talking about when there is no hidden money. Rav Yehuda said, if she actually had hidden money, so then she can't acquire it, then she doesn't acquire it, because it's obvious that the only reason the husband sold her was not for sale, but in order to uncover her hidden money. But where she had no hidden money, then she acquires it because he wasn't doing it in order to find out if she had hidden money. And so Rabbi's statement, actually, this is David Alibni Weiss's suggestion, um, that Rabbi's statement that the, the middle there, Tati Lakasha, the, the stam in the middle, seems to, is probably extracted from Rabbi's statement. The Rabbi's statement originally was, Right, so it's when it's talking about right. So therefore, it says When so when a person sells the field to his wife with hidden money, she didn't buy it when. The money, when he sells it without, and then says, when the money is not sold. So then, so that's why you need both of those statements there. And it was taken out and extracted into this Tarti Lokasha kind of, of, of statement in order to distinguish between this one and Rav's. And then Damar of Yehuda is a proof to what Rava is saying that if there was hidden money, she didn't buy, she doesn't acquire it, and there is no hidden money, she does acquire. Okay, so that's where we're going to end this week. And on that note of marriage is not an easy thing, it's a negotiation. Um, that's where we're going to end. Okay, thank you for spending this time with me. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. If you have, please give me a rating on my podcast page. And more important, tell a friend and bring them along to the Beit Midrash in the Closet for next year. I'm Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. You can also please send comments, criticisms, witticisms to the widow and the brothers at gmail.com. As always, I want to thank my producer, my amazing producer, Eli Unger Sargan, my amazing Chavruta, Charlotte Van Robert, and the communications team for Daf Shui, who, did the, who, who made the amazing logo for Daf Shui, Shachar Cohen Kodos. Stay safe. Have a happy new year. Stay home. Don't go out. We're going to make it through. Be well. <laughs>